Welcome to a very special edition of Own Goal Podcast. The date is May 17th, 2020, and for the first time in two months, soccer is back, baby. Sports are back, and Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Honestly, I, I am I'm in some slight disbelief right now from everything we've been seeing in the last dance tour in Doc. If you haven't checked that out, you, what are you doing? You had no excuse not to watch it. You had nothing else to do. (laughs) But also, more importantly, as Donnie mentioned, soccer is back. And no, we're not talking about the Belarusian uh, Premier League that never suspended play. We are talking about the Bundesliga, the the league that that doesn't get talked about as much as the Premier League or even La Liga. But, you know, for everything it has to offer and a lot of what we saw today, and yesterday, and hopefully we'll see tomorrow with the Werder Bremen game. A really fun league, and a lot of fun players, especially players that the American contingent can get behind. Uh, I'm just so so glad that we're back. We've got soccer playing. We've got people betting on sports. Um, it's just what a time to be in, to be in quarantine. And we have a really special episode for you guys. Not just because soccer's back, but we're gonna have a. Uh... About a 20, 25-minute interview with Roger Gonzalez of CBS Sports. He's like their you know, primary soccer reporter and soccer writer. And uh, we're really excited to uh, show you guys that. Yeah, you uh, you guys, uh, if you haven't, go go, uh, go CBS Sports Soccer. Uh, I think nine of the last ten articles on the, on the front page are written by Roger, which just I don't understand how he found time to talk to us schmucks. Uh, when he's got you know all this other stuff going on, but it was uh, it was a pleasure talking to him. Got some great insights and uh, just all around fun to talk about soccer, man. Yeah, and I think you guys are really gonna enjoy that interview. But first, to the byline. It's in, it's in goal. It's a gift. Well, it's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. Yeah, I think uh, only only one place to start is uh, let's, let's start looking at what we what we uh, saw yesterday, today, uh, maybe what we're looking forward to tomorrow. As we mentioned in the little intro, a lot of action. Uh, Decent number of Americans got got some some playing time. We were primed uh, waking up on su- Saturday morning to find out that it was going to be a Weston McKinney versus Gio Reyna, Shaka versus uh, Borussia Dortmund, and uh, of course Donnie is all things American soccer. We didn't exactly get what we were anticipating, what we were expecting. Uh, no, Gio Reyna was set to start. It was actually going to be his first start for Dortmund. Awesome, great and gets injured in the warm-ups, which is, like, just the... That's just, like... I mean, talk about a tease. Like, you know, talk about a tease. And obviously I mean, sucks for him, too, that he's hurt. Yeah, I, I mean, for those of you who don't know, uh, Gio or Giovanni Reyna is the son of Claudio Reyna, uh, who obviously played for the U.S. men's national team. His mother, I believe, played... Uh, I know she played professional soccer. She may have played for the women's national team at some point, but uh, basically uh, uh, he's got some strong, you know, U.S. soccer bloodlines, Uh, 17-year-old kind of doing the Christian Pulisic route of, um, you know, young player at Dortmund, rising through the ranks. Uh, Actually, uh, from interviews and conversations, it seems like, not that we've done, but that I've seen and and, and read, uh, it sounds like he and Erling Holland are really good friends. I don't think anyone thought for a second when you said that that they interpreted it in the route that you and I had done in interviews, but oh, I, I, I appreciate worried. you clarifying. I wasn't worried about about how they interpreted it. I wanted to make it clear that I wasn't trying to make it sound that way. Oh, okay, you know? okay. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, just uh, really exciting, really looking forward to it. He's going to get his first cap, you know, sometime, I think, in this uh, shortened postponed season you know we're going to see some game weeks where they're playing two or three weeks uh within a within a, with two or three games in the span of a week uh but it's pretty bummer to see him get pulled 
because of an injury, and then uh, replaced by Thorgan Hazard, who had an assist and a goal and played really well. It's not going to make it easy for for him to for Gio to get some some more playing time, but I'm sure we'll see it. Yeah, and um, I think that was all well said. And I'll tell you what, whoever is setting the betting odds for <laughs> Holland uh, Erling Holland to score needs to be fired because that him to score one goal at minus one twenty five was a surefire thing minus 125 minus 125 <sighs> the easiest bet of your life i mean it, 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 i guess it's either him or him or Lewandowski, but since holland joined he's been as hot if not hotter than, than Lewandowski. and i know and Lewandowski was for one goal was minus 250 today that's why yeah. i bet on him for two goals thanks for nothing Lewandowski. <laughs> Someone, everyone after the game today was like, oh, because he scored his 40th uh, club goal in all competitions for, like, the fifth straight season, which is good. Yep. But everyone was like, oh, Lewandowski, unstoppable. Like, dude, he just scored a penalty today. Let's pump yeah, the bricks. Uh, I mean, he, no. he could have had a fucking second one. It would have been nice for me. Well, I thought, and, and this is going to be, I thought, you know, one of the things that everybody would have assumed coming into this uh, restart. But, you know, Lewandowski, he's got, you know, so many tools. He's a clinical finisher. He can take those penalties. He's also really involved and good in, in build-up play. And it's yeah. got some really solid hold-up. And I think a lot of his goals, you know, it's not, he's not going to do the dribble past five people and, and slot it behind the, the keeper. He's more of an integral part of building and then finishing moves. Yeah. And when you're relying on, on that format to score, or that's a, a key piece, when you haven't been able to play with your teammates for two months, that, that's going to be missing. You know, there were times where Goretzka flubbed or, or fluffed a, a cross into the box or, or just, you know, the delivery wasn't quite there. Uh, so I'm not I'm not shocked yeah. that then uh, I guess we're kind of bouncing around from from game to game uh, as you can tell we were we were financially invested uh, from a betting standpoint <laughs> uh, but I guess let's, let's let's kind of wind it back to the first big game the Saturday game uh, you know the Dortmund Schalke derby one one of the biggest rivalries uh, in honestly in European sports but especially in the Bundesliga. Oh boy, uh, Dortmund came in, you know, four points behind the league leaders Bayern, and, and Schalke came in in a different trajectory. Started the year off pretty well, but I think they've been scoreless in their last three matches before this one. Wasn't a pretty sight. Uh, no, it was. In fact, it was shit pumping. They're just, you know, I try not to use those terms and try not to be as harsh when, we, especially when we have a U.S. player. On you know starting at one side, but um, it was not good for Schalke. I mean, Dortmund were the much sharper team. They had much less rust. Also, shout out to Dortmund for their fullback Rafael Guerrero having a brace, fullback brace. You gotta love that. They they just they looked really good, and I don't even know is it, they look good or did Sch- I mean Schalke didn't look good at all. There was yeah. no part of the game where I thought Schalke as a team looked good in. They just they looked really rusty. Just like I thought, you know, and, and please check my bias uh, for what I'm about to say, but I thought compared to the rest of the team, uh, Weston put in a pretty solid performance. Oh, you know? 100%. Uh, 100%. I just said, I'm saying, as, I was saying as a but team. But as, as, as a collective, the what what they put on that field was, was not something that, you know, I'm – I'm going to our less soccer inclined friends saying you guys need to follow this team really heavily because they're going to make you fall in love with soccer. You know, it's it, that's that's not the kind of performance they were able to deliver, and it's not the performance they've really been able to deliver for the past uh, couple of, of game weeks. Uh, when we go back the last few months, that's a, a trend I was hoping to see. You know, maybe fall apart when we when we got to this restart because back lines aren't going to have as much organization. And you may be able to, to get some easy easy goals here and there, but it was uh, Shaka making those mistakes and giving Dortmund the easy goals. So it was uh, disappoint disappointing to see, but it wasn't. You know, we saw four goals in a game. Um, I think across the board we saw a lot of scoring. Uh, I know there was a, another another match that we were pretty interested in, kind of from the onset, that uh, Leipzig Freiburg game. What do you think of that one? Um, I mean. Leipzig, it was one of those games where Leipzig looked like the eyeball test. They were they looked dominant, right? Like they, ha- I think the ball spent like twenty percent of the game actually inside of Freiburg's eighteen yard box. And, 
back back when Pep managed uh, Barcelona, that was what he thought should be the indicator for victory. So, yeah, by Guardiola rules, uh, Leipzig won the game. <laughs> they couldn't finish to save their lives. I mean, I was just like on the edge of my seat. I was kind of not super frustrated because I bet the draw and that ended up working out for me. I got really lucky on that one, but I was just watching it and just like they they just couldn't they couldn't convert their chances. They were not clinical and I yeah. I think scoring is one of those things more than a lot of the other skills. That's a rust thing. Like uh, it, it's it, not even not, yeah. not, I mean, yes, rust, but not not just rust. It's momentum too, right? You see, when somebody gets hot, they they get hotter and hotter and hotter, right? Obviously, we've seen we saw you know Erling Holland uh, uh, continue his his hot form, which makes you think this isn't a this, this isn't form is class for him, right? Oh, you yeah. know, form, form is temporary or yeah, class is forever. So I, I think that's something that 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 is exciting to watch. But you know, look at Timo Werner. He uh, started the campaign, you know, back in August on a blistering pace. But last ten game weeks or so, he's maybe found the net at two or three times. I think he's, he's really pulled off, and and we see the last now four matches for Leipzig they've drawn. You know, they were neck and neck with Dortmund, with Bayern, uh, fighting for the that that league title. Now they've fallen what. Uh, multiple points behind they're now 13 points behind uh Bayern for for top of the table you just can't have three straight draws and uh and, and stay competitive at that that championship level where I know they want to be yeah and uh you mentioned how you were a little disappointed uh, obviously another big American star in that game Tyler Adams um but he was kind of playing more of a wingback role than really that kind of like midfield role where we would hope to see him and while I think he's still very effective and, you know, it's just a uh, – says a lot about his talent that he could be a versatile player, you just want to see a guy like that in the midfield being able to assert a little bit more control over the game. Yeah, what, what, what I think really bummed me out was the sub they brought on to replace him, uh, Sabitzer. You know, uh, Sabitzer comes in for Adams, moves to the midfield. They 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 shunt somebody else out to the to the wing, and Sabitzer is immediately making an offensive impact and, and helping you know provide more chances to open the game up. And it's like that from a very high level looks bad on Tyler, but obviously he wasn't put his his role in the in the squad that day wasn't to have that, you know, central game influence. It was more about providing coverage on the wings. And, you know, he was getting up and, and joining the attack. But I think, you know, we'll leave the Dortmund game out of this because Guerrero is going to prove what I just said absolutely wrong. But, you know, the type of offensive impact that, that Adams would have on the wing involves a lot of link-up play, providing, you know, whipping in cross is making overlapping runs things that it's just hard to be on the same same wavelength with your teammates after this this long long break yeah i mean they have, haven't played a game in over 60 days and they've only had a couple of weeks training so i completely agree with you guerrero i mean obviously there's always going to be something that happens that's going to buck the trend and i still think what you're saying though is totally correct um i guess the other big game from sunday was that fact that um matron matching gladbach Right, right. Uh, Gladbach was able to get a pretty convincing win over uh, Frankfurt, but hey, your boy Andre Silva did score for Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah, but I think that one was Very a, a little guy. Yeah, a little too little. He's he's still officially uh, an AC Milan player. You know, I think he's on a two year loan uh, at, at Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, this was a was 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 a tough one to watch. You know, just was hoping that we'd have a. A good, at least a good first half, but Mach and Gladbach just uh, opened up two quick goals, and from from there it, it just felt like the match was over. Um, I, you know, um, I think it was a good good showing for Gladbach. They they jumped their way up. You know, they're now I think well they maintained their third place on the table. They're they're going to build a little bit of distance between them and Leipzig, uh, who I think they had it was a one point lead and now it's a four point lead. So they're they're kind of comfortably sitting in that champion league uh, qualification and now still only uh, six points behind Bayern with with yep. some games to go. So you know they're still they they're they're still you know they still got their nose in it. I'll give them that. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And they're, they're setting themselves, you know, they did what they needed to do uh, at this restart. You look at the top three teams at the table, they all started this uh, these match days with a win. Yeah. So that's 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 what you want to see. Um, looking looking down at the, the bottom of the table, though, um, we got a match coming up tomorrow, Monday, with a 17th place Werder Bremen, uh, hoping to get our boy Josh Sargent, hoping to see his name on that, uh, that starting eleven. And um, I feel a goal. I feel a goal coming. I like it. I, hey, I'm, I'm going to ride with you on that one. I'm going to ride with you on that one. Uh, you know, part of the thing, and Eric, you know, a bunch of our buddies asked us about, like, betting in soccer, and Eric makes a great point. It's so hard to bet what, who's, what's going to happen when there's three possibilities, right? Yeah. A team can win, a team can lose, a team to draw. And I have personally, and I totally agree with Eric on that, and I think player scoring props are way more fun to bet on. <laughs> And the, your odds can sometimes be a lot better. Like, they haul in one. Like, sometimes, like, they just – someone will not pay attention to something like that. Like, to me, like, he should be, like, a minus 200 to score a goal because he's he's so always scoring goals. Yeah. You know? And so, I don't know. Player props are definitely, though, for those of you who are betting inclined, is what I would recommend you do. Yeah. I, I And, and I, I, I'm, I'm jumping all around. I, so I apologize for that. I'm just so excited. There's so many things that I want to talk about. No, uh, I guess we, we glossed over today's game. The, the well, there, we are there too, but the Bayern Munich uh, match it was really once. It was really. I mean, there was no way there. Bayern Munich was ever losing that game, even if they didn't play their yeah. best. There was just there was no chance they were going to lose. Yeah, I mean, Union Berlin, I thought put up a good fight, right? They uh, they held you know pretty strong defensively. It was one. Just, I think, mindless kick, missing the ball, hitting the player, uh, getting the penalty, that, that ended the game. Once once Ian Bowen went down one nothing, they were they were done. They weren't going to be able to chase the Byron with that talent, uh, with that one goal lead. But, you know, I wasn't very impressed or convinced by, by, by Byron's game. They, they really were not clinical. Well, and I think part of that... Part of what was wrong with Bayern tactically today was uh, Vander, uh, the coach. What's his name? Der Fleek? Something yeah. Fleek. Hans Dieterfleek. There it is. Hans Dieterfleek. He only played four fullbacks as opposed to playing five. I've actually discovered this trend. I did a deep dive in Bayern Munich's fixture uh, match day squads. For the out of the last ten match day squads, he has never played less than four fullbacks at a time. <laughs> Largely because he's kind. Of, Joshua Kimmich is doing. Much earlier in his career, what Philip Lom did much later Philip in his Lom. career yep. was making that fullback to midfield transition because Joshua Kimmich is just so good. You just want him to have a bigger influence. But I still count him really as a fullback for me. Yeah, when we say, when we say fullbacks, we're not saying he positionally uh, fielded four fullbacks. We mean he fielded four players who have spent the majority or or a large portion of their time as a fullback. Uh, you got Joshua Kimmich. Uh, you got... Uh, Pavard, who I think actually played fullback today. Was he did, nice. right back, and he uh, scored. Had, That's another fullback goal. And you had Alfonso Davies uh, playing left back, who's a, a proper fullback. And then uh, their their previous, I believe, left back, uh, David Alaba, now playing... Oh, you're shaking your head. Yeah, no, David I, Alaba. No, I'm now, excited. Now, I'm excited. <laughs> David Alaba, Don's shaking his head like a madman, sorry. Uh, <laughs> David, David Alaba playing left center back. Hey, can um, someone count me how many times Gates just was stuck in a David Alaba loop there? <laughs> I'm gonna say he said it seven times. Dude, you threw you threw me off with your just your movements. No, sorry, I was getting excited because he's played like center back. I'm pretty sure they're last ten games straight, like where he's played. But he, but like he used to be a fullback. <laughs> yeah, like like maybe like when I say used to, we're talking like twelve months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Not a significant amount of time ago. Like, I think he's still fullback. fullback. So when he plays for Austria, he's still their fullback, I believe. Yeah, and my, he's still a fullback. I just love – I think Hans Dieter Fleek has finally understood that the perfect soccer game is one goalie, <laughs> ten fullbacks versus ten fullbacks and another goalie. Well, I think we're I think we're close to your, your dream of five fullbacks at least. Uh, yeah, oh, there were rumors that – We've hit that before. Rumors of – Oh, we did before. Well, there's also rumors of Sergio Dest, uh, the young American who plays at, at Ajax. There's rumors that he could be in, in transit, uh, in some sort of uh, you know signing a deal with Bayern, with Bayern possibly. 
this is very 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 high rumor mill like daily mail type quality uh, of leads that we've got here there's also but, some bullshit rumors that barcelona is trying to hijack yeah. the deal so they can just lock them in messy sex dungeon hear me out hear me out peeps if <laughs> if, if we get Sergio desk uh to bayern and he's able to crack his way into, into the, the the starting 11 you get uh alfonso davies on the right uh, as a left back you get Sergio desk as a right back then you get David Alaba as left center back, and then you get Benjamin Pavard, who's also played center back as your right center back, and then you get you got Kimmich as your uh, defensive mid. My only thing I want is I want to push Davies up to left wing and bring on Theo Hernandez, the fullback, into the lineup. So we have not five, but as the same amount of rings Michael Jordan has, you have six fullbacks. <laughs> if I can get six fullbacks in a game, I think I'm going to be so happy. I mean, Davies has the pace to be on the wing. The problem is there's way too much skill on that Bayern uh, uh, lineup to have him push somebody else from. I think Tiago's kind of a waste in the holding mid. I think another fullback there is where you have to go. I'm just, I'm looking at their lineup right now. This is what I do. I study Bayern Munich's lineups in depth because they're the closest team. I've never liked Bayern Munich more now that I know that they play fullbacks. I think they're I think they're assassins. I think they're leeches. They leech the other teams in the league. But you know what? I think this is a great time to kick it over to our interview with Roger Gonzalez. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, um, no, we really really enjoyed talking to Roger, and we think you guys are gonna really like listening to what he has to say. Yep. So uh, we're gonna kick you over to that interview right now. We are very pleased to welcome Roger Gonzalez on the Own Goal podcast. Roger is a reporter and writer and journalist for CBS Sports Soccer. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Roger. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. We know you've, yeah. been, we know you've been really busy kind of hopping around. Uh, I know you're in demand with soccer coming back up. And is it sort of a, you know, in this time of quarantine of no sports, is it kind of a good thing for soccer that right now a lot of the sporting focus is on soccer and specifically the Bundesliga? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly having live sports that's not, you know, no disrespect to South Korean baseball or soccer, but, you know, to have something like the Bundesliga back, it's certainly nice. And I think it's good for the sport in the sense of, you know, people wanting live sports, whether they haven't watched soccer before or they're just interested in the, the betting aspect of it, as we've seen that grow, you know, big time, uh, to have it back. And, you know, especially for the United States in relation to all the American players that are there. I mean, there's no better league in the world to watch if you want to see young American players when it comes to, you know, roles on the national team than the Bundesliga. So uh, it's good timing, and it's uh, nice to have it back, and I look forward to it continuing. Yeah, I'm actually really glad you jumped right in with the the American youth talent. That's uh, I've, I've probably been one of the more our, – our go-to Bundesliga follower for our podcast the last few years, mainly because – I uh, I am obsessed with U.S. youth soccer. Uh, I'm I'm the guy that watches the uh, the U17 World Cups, the U21 World Cups, uh, the Olympic qualifying because you know we're not making the Olympics uh, last couple of years or cycles. Uh, so I'm I'm glad you jumped right in and uh, we kind of saw a taste yesterday uh, with Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney uh, being able to get a lot of playing time in. Uh, I thought they both looked pretty good, even though they, they their teams didn't get the results they got. Uh, but then we got some exciting news with Gio Reyna getting his uh, first start, and then that got pulled away from us at the at the last minute with the uh, injury time or sorry the training warm up injury. And uh, just wondering what your thoughts are on you know the growth of the Bundesliga popularity now that it's not just the only sport back, but it's the sport that has the best American contingent or the, the league that has the best American contingent. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, I think you can look at, you know, the number one goalkeeper for the U S and, and Zach Steffen, you think about yeah. Gio Reyna, who you could argue is, uh, you know, the top rising prospect on, under the age of 20. Weston McKinney is a starter for the national team. Uh, you know, you think about guys like Josh Sargent as well, John Brooks. So it's certainly great to, to have you know them have such huge roles for these teams, and then there's so many guys you know coming uh, you know after them, some of these young products that are in the academy. I mean, you got Chris Richards at Bayern Munich, and so mm -hmm. those are some exciting names and, and reason you know reasons for U.S. fans to be excited um, about what's to come. Um, and I think you know just like you said, I mean, ha having all these games and you know it feels like 
and not maybe not every game, but every other game, there's some American, whether it's a former national team player, you know, and Fabian Johnson or Timmy Chandler. It's just cool to be able to see them and and really focus on, you know, watching them specifically. Maybe a lot of us don't know a lot of the players in the league. Even me, I looked at the the, the starting lineups for Mines and Colin and I were. But just to be able to watch them, like you said, you watch the youth tournaments, just be able to focus on some of these guys and see how they do. That's impressive. And I know, you know, agents all over the United States who have these top players, they want to bring them to Germany because they know it's a league they can get early playing time. They've got great academies, great places to develop, as we've seen, you know, with guys like Christian Pulisic. Uh, so it's it's fun. I think if Americans could could pick any league to come back, that was a, a soccer league. I'm sure most would say the Premier League, but in relation to, in relation to the United States men's national team, uh, it's perfect to have the Bundesliga back. And actually, that's something I wanted to follow up with you on. You do see a lot of, um, you know, U.S. guys, whether, like you said, you just said former, current, or maybe future in the Bundesliga. And you, part of it, you said, was getting early playing time. And I just wanted to know kind of what other factors is it that really has made the Bundesliga, I honestly think, like a really good breeding ground for U.S. youth. You know, I think, you know, obviously some of the logistical things, us having, the United States having a military presence there and creating dual national, you know, dual nationals, I think that's definitely helpful. But what other aspects of the Bundesliga help to make such a strong American contingent? Well, it's, I think it's tricky to kind of find um, you know, a lot of factors that are, uh, you know, to that kind of importance, that level of importance, because I think just the early playing time is so big. I mean, I think part of it is, you know, the language. I mean, obviously you could point out the Premier League and obviously speaking English in, in England, uh, but it's just, you know, that's just not that it's more competitive than the Premier League, but I mean, the Bundesliga, I mean, but it's just such a different league and it takes uh, a bit of adapting. So I think just, you know, in Germany, being able to to get that, that, that playing time early is certainly one of the aspects that uh, I think players specifically talk about often. Like, you know, when I speak with Wes McKinney, he, you know, that's what he says, that playing early, he, he's getting lots of minutes, and that's something that's so important for their progression. I think a lot of these, you know, whether it's them, you know, whether it's their agents or, or maybe them having players that uh, have kind of taken them under their wing, uh, I think a lot of these guys have the kind of same thought that I do that you get better by playing against better players. So Definitely. if you can play a lot of matches early against some top competition, uh, you can certainly uh, make a name for yourself. And, and not just with the first division, even with the second division as well. You know, Julian Green's playing oh, yeah. quite yeah. a bit in the second division. He's been looking really sharp. And so uh, I don't think really there's anything that compares uh, in regards to importance than, than just being able to get on the field early. Well, and I think to kind of to follow up on that, and this is just an outside perspective because I'm not, you know, really into the German culture too much, but it seems like part of their soccer philosophy is, you know, experimentation and, and bringing in that youth, right? We, you mentioned Weston McKinney. I think he's logged minutes at every, almost every outfield position uh, in the last year, last two years. He's playing at striker last year when they had a couple of injuries. He's played fullback. He's played all across the, you know, the midfield. So it's not just get that. I feel like a lot of these German teams are trying to get their youth prospects minutes. They're plugging them into anywhere where they think their talents may work, not just, oh, this is what we want. This is what this guy is going to be. So he's only ever going to play there. And I think, I think yeah. that probably has a, has a, you know, an impact on it. Yeah. I mean, even with Tyler Adams, you know, him playing, you know, right back for the national team, you play more in the middle for, for Leipzig, he even pushed out a bit to the right, you know, pushes out to the right sometimes. Um, and, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't finish my thought from before when I was talking about, you know, the, the language part of it, but that's certainly part of it. I mean, most people in Germany speak English. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a language. It certainly gives a, a level of comfort for them rather than going to, say, Spain or, or Italy. So that's part of it. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, in Germany, these coaches are very experimental and in, in giving guys a shot in, in different places and seeing how they do. And uh, I think that only helps a a player look more uh, more appealing for other clubs down the road. And you mentioned there, you mentioned some other clubs and you know other leagues, you know, be it Spain or Italy, where maybe the language barrier is a little bit a little bit tougher. Do you think some other you know countries still kind of? I I want to word this without offending anyone, but you know, still look at American soccer players as prop as not like why would I want a kid from America when I could have a kid from Rome who's been playing soccer longer? You know, this wasn't this is the first choice sport here. Do you think there's still some of that kind of like looking down upon America as a soccer country that happens for some other leagues? Yeah, hundred percent. I definitely think so. But I certainly think that's 
changing a bit in time when you have guys like, you know, Weston and, and Christian who are emerging and becoming such good players. I mean, I think, you know, even looking back to, to Landon Donovan, who didn't have, you know, much success in Europe and, and came back to MLS and, and played really well. And I certainly think from there, there was just kind of this, you know, that belief that, you know, maybe are Americans good enough? Can the greatest player that people consider of, you know, the national team, if he can't really make it in Europe, can these other guys? And so, um, you know, I think part of it's, you know, the development, but also being at these academies at such a young age, you yeah. know, like Christian and, and Wes is like, you know, I always point back to them because they're the kind of examples here moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly think there is that belief, but it's, it's certainly changing. I mean, I think also, you know, you see, uh, whether it's, um, you know, just a lot of these guys, like you said, the dual nationals guys who can play for, for different national teams and the attraction that they receive from other countries trying to get, get them to switch. I mean, there's a, you know, the U S is, is a melting pot of, of people as, as you guys know. And then I think with that, you can get some, uh, some really good players if they can, uh, if they can be spotted by the right people. And a lot of these guys are heading over to Europe early and it's, uh, it's making a difference. Yeah, I think you're definitely on that, that, that it is changing and improving. I mean, I don't think a decade ago or, or 20 years ago, someone like Conrad De La Fuente would be signed by the Barcelona Youth Academy and, and continuously uh, you know, renewed and extended. So there, there definitely is that improvement. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm as excited as, as I am for this current batch of really talented players we have. I'm also really excited for these kids that are in youth, youth programs all across Europe. I'm sure, uh, not, er- not I'm that- sure Eric's been watching some of them since they were like nine on a Twitch stream or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I was uh, I was reading uh, I think last week one of your articles about just you know what 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 would be a good Bundesliga team to support for people who uh, are new to the Bundesliga and, and just looking to have a, a dog in the fight and I was kind of wondering are you approaching this Bundesliga restart uh, kind of picking a few teams that you're really looking uh, to pull forward for, push for or are you trying to stay a little more neutral and just observe fun soccer? Yeah, I mean I think with a lot of it, um, you know. As a sports journalist, you can stay impartial to a certain degree, but you know, we're, we, we have fun. Uh, you know, a lot of writers have their own teams and, you know, we're not, I'm not particularly afraid to, you know, to show it, you know, whether it's, you know, I've always supported Boca Juniors of Argentina has always been my favorite team in Europe. I, I love Valencia, but when it comes to Germany, even, you know, whether it's Germany or England, I kind of always uh, maybe not necessarily been like a hardcore fan of teams, but mm-hmm. have maybe kind of been a casual supporter. So when it comes to the Bundesliga, I mean, I enjoy, you know, obviously seeing the American guys play. Uh, I, I tend to lean towards Hertha Berlin just because, you know, about a decade ago, they had a guy named Marcelino, this Brazilian guy who was just oh, yeah. fantastic. He just blew me away. He, he went on to play, I think at Wolfsburg and um, he's, he's still playing at like over 40. He's, uh, he was just kind of a really technical uh, magician that I really liked watching. So that's kind of my, yeah. you know, light allegiance with Eartha Berlin is just having seen him play um, and just thinking he was fantastic. But I know a lot of the you know American fans like to, uh, uh, you know, find a club that has Americans. Yeah. So, you know, Dortmund obviously made sense with Pulisic and, and now with Gio Reyna. Um, and I just think if you could find a connection uh, with the club that sort of makes you, you know, kind of feel attracted to them in a certain way, that's, that's the best way to do it rather than just, you know, no offense, but just like picking Bayern because they win. It isn't oh, yeah. where I think people should go. <laughs> no, trust me. Especially uh, a we, club we... whose entire tactic is to just buy the, Like, okay, this team came really close to beating us for the title. I'm going to buy your best player. They're, or get them on a free transfer. Yeah, or get them on we, a free oh, transfer. Oh, you, we've had so many rants where uh, <laughs> we were, I think, Donnie and I were just texting earlier today, remembering when, uh, when Bayern agreed with Goretzka uh halfway like through halfway through the season and then Shaka decided to bench him <laughs> and by Bi- and Byron got real upset because they were not letting Gretzka play and it's like what would you do if your one of your biggest competitors is poaching your talent like make them get a little rusty yeah for sure it's it's crazy how they've been able to dominate the market and and get guys for for free Lewandowski included oh yeah yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been something so kind of switching gears a little bit to like the action we just saw this weekend you know, I kind of wanted to get from, you know, your perspective on like what's been going on behind the scenes in terms of like safety protocol and why was Germany in a place where they felt like they could safely have kind of sports start 
where other countries seem to be a little bit lagging. Yeah, I mean, their organization is just mind-blowing in comparison to the U.S. and a lot of other countries. It's crazy how they've been able to handle the situation and and make players feel safe. Um, I spoke with the sporting director of Bayer Leverkusen a couple weeks ago, and he was just going through telling me how uh, they would operate, whether it's knowing when and where a person will arrive at the stadium, you know, going through what entrance and making sure they're keeping, you know, their social distance between them and whoever they're with. Uh, you know, I think you know, if you've watched the games, you've probably seen them cleaning off the balls. Oh with, yeah. yeah. You know, with uh, disinfectants and, uh, it's, and, you know, the mask, it's just gonna be kind of crazy. I think they've just, you know, we, when I spoke to Larry Houston, I mean, they were telling me how, they for years have had a uh, what they call it a uh, a pandemic task force. So <laughs> they've prepared, you know, they had resources ready to to kind of approach this thing. And in February, they quickly developed their you know coronavirus task force to try and uh, excuse me, it was a it was a pandemic delegation, I think is what they called it. And they just had people who were ready for any such situation. Obviously, they couldn't predict what has happened since, but just shows their level of, of preparation and kind of everything they do and why they're, you know, back playing so much earlier than everyone else and yeah. why they, you know, why everyone kind of looks to them as that kind of model league. And I think they've done a pretty good job. We see the players, you know, keeping kind of their distance with most celebrations or doing kind of kind of elbow bumps. And it's been, Okay, I do have to say this about the <laughs> celebration thing. Like it seemed a little silly to me to be like, going like brushing a guy off your shoulder going for a 50 50 ball and then, <laughs> then decide to separate on celebration like don't get me wrong i'm definitely all for safety but it's like well wait a minute you've been sweating on top of these three other guys for the last hour but yeah 100 percent yeah they're just trying to limit it as much as they can but yeah not, you can argue that you know tackling someone and landing on top of them is is much more uh, <laughs> risky uh, than, than, than an elbow bump or even just a normal celebration. But, you know, even with the consistent testing that they've done as well, uh, I don't think there's much concern. And hopefully yeah. things can you know, continue yeah. to be uh, smooth. It's, the, it's pretty funny, though. Uh, and I guess funny may not be the right word, but I was watching, uh, I think it was Shaka Dortmund, and uh, somebody was, like, grabbing onto Holland uh, during a, a corner kick, and he put... And he, and he pushed him off, and I, I was just in my mind like, "Oh, that's me at the supermarket line when somebody's too too close behind me to, to get into the door." It's, uh, it's just kind of funny how some of these these antics are are taking a, a, a new context uh, for real life. So, um, like talking, you know, Eric kind of got into it a little bit, but talking about the action of what we saw the last couple of days, I was surprised to find out that. Every game but one had at least two goals, and only five teams didn't score. And so, you know, we got a lot of exciting soccer. I think it was pretty clear um, that th- there were some guys who were definitely rusty. It seemed like, you know, team chemistry was a little off. So what what, what, what kind of did you notice? You know, what were your takeaways? What surprised you, if anything, from what you saw this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was surprised by a whole lot. I mean... I didn't see Leipzig drawing at home against Freiburg. They've, you know, they've beaten them three yeah. straight times uh, at home. They, I think, you know, they certainly looked a bit rusty, but I think, you know, that's expected when you haven't played for two months like right. that. Other teams like Dortmund look sharp. How much of that is just their sharpness or, or Schalke just, you know, kind of being horrible for the last several months, Yeah, you know, long before the, the break. Yeah, uh, They've got two goals in eight games. So I kind of feel bad for Weston when he's, in the middle and having to chase back with two defenders back. It's just kind of a, a mess there. Um, I think overall it's been, you know, it's nice obviously to see lots of goals. Uh, it's going to be an exciting title race to finish it out. The, the, the top four race could get interesting too, especially if Leverkusen uh, can you know, kind of catch up there with Leipzig and, and Mönchengladbach ahead of them. And the relegation battle is something that should be, you know, fun the rest of the way. You know, Fortuna Dusseldorf needs to get Zach Steffen back uh, with his MCL injury. And, you know, it's going to be kind of crazy with that 16th place, you know, where they end up playing the third place team in, in the, the second division. Because uh, you've got, you know, Steffen there at 16th. You've got Virgil Bremen right behind them. Yeah, with Josh Sargent, yeah. A huge opportunity moving forward to, to be a, a club hero in a sense and save a team that 
think has played in the top flight every single season yeah. for once since like the 1960s. I, uh, I'm actually really glad you mentioned that. I, I probably uh, this time last year was talking about how the Bundesliga format for that that final promotion relegation spot is my favorite uh, across the board. Like I know the Premier League has the like world's most expensive or most most financially valuable uh, game with the uh, the playoff final, but I love the fact that. You know, somebody from the the second tier, the Bundesliga two, is fighting to rip and replace somebody who's holding on for dear life. That that's a game I always love to watch. Yeah, it's it's a it's a different format. It's uh, it's certainly you know kind of it's I mean I guess it's, be, it's nice in the sense for the first division team knowing that you know if they finish third to last, they don't directly go down. They still they have a shot. Yeah, right. But so I, that's fun. Yeah, it's certainly different. I think. I, and back in the day, or in Argentina, they used to do something similar as well. But it was where uh, the team in the first division, if they uh, if they end up being tied, they get to stay up. Interesting. Um, and that was yeah. So they have that advantage there. Um, in Germany, I think, like you said, I mean, Dusseldorf is is right there, and, and it looks like they'll probably be the favorites to finish in that 16th spot, so that'll be quite the opportunity for Stefan if, if that's the case. It looks like they're, you know, I think, what, three points shy of safety uh, of, of, I think, Mainz, um, and then it looks like Werder, you know, it, I think Werder, if they can get things going, uh, can fight to get to that that third spot and then have a chance to save, save their season is, is kind of the American in me. That, that's what I'm, what I'm pushing for. Um, I was, I was, I don't know about you, but I was pretty surprised about, uh, it just felt like there were some trends that continued, even though there was such a long layoff. You mentioned Shaka not scoring. I think this was their fourth straight, uh, goalless game. Uh, I think Leipzig's third straight draw. Uh, it was just, I thought, and, and then, you know, people like Holland, uh, people like Lewandowski continuing their, their really, you know, really top form uh timo Werner continued to to go dry i think he's uh he's been dry in like some most of the last nine or ten games they've had so I, I was just really surprised that things that were happening uh as a as a you know uh a trend before the the, the pause hit a lot of them continued even though everything's been different between then and now yeah yeah i mean yeah you have the constants of you know, Bayern and Dortmund continuing to win and Paderborn not winning and, you know, the teams in the middle kind of, there's a lot of movement there in the middle as well. I think if there's something that, that I would kind of point out that's kind of a change is, is with Hertha Berlin, who I think has a real chance, you know, not to push European spots, but to build, uh, you know, some momentum going forward. You know, you have your Milan jersey on, they obviously signed Piatek, who has a lot yep. of potential. Uh, and who has been pretty good, you know, since since moving over the winter transfer window. They got Cunha from our uh, Red Bull Leipzig, who scored in three straight games, and yep. a guy I think is a potential Brazilian national team player down the road. Um, so they're they're an interesting team as well. I think that could really kind of build momentum um, entering next season. But I guess you know, for me, in regards to what could change, I you know, I, I mean, I'm really interested to see what Werder Bremen does, especially with with Josh Sargent. I mean. This is a team with the worst attack in the league, the worst defense in the league, and you know that usually means relegation. So if he can kind of prove himself, prove himself in training and build off the three goals he scored this season, uh, and you know bag a couple here in the next few weeks, I mean he could really kind of put himself in that starting spot and 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 really save his team. But that's you know certainly easier said than done. Yeah. Um, I guess switching gears a little bit away from the Bundesliga to talk about kind of some of the other leagues, and you know, as we're getting close to wrapping up here. Um, Serie A said they're going to come back June 13. And over in uh, the United Kingdom, I know Parliament said that teams could come, you know, they could start playing again June 1st. But it seems that a lot of players are very hesitant to kind of play over there. So have you heard anything, any kind of how they're thinking about what's going to happen both in England and Italy? Because it seems like their handle of the pandemic situation as a whole hasn't been as, uh, you know, organized and they haven't been as on top of it as Germany. So kind of how do you see those two countries playing out kind of with soccer coming back. Yeah. I mean, if you don't mind me touching on, you know, just, I was here to touch on Spain quickly and just say, I think they're going to be Definitely. the next one back. They're, you know, feeling good about how things are going. When it comes to Italy and England, I mean, you know, it's, they, they've certainly been two of the harder hit countries, obviously uh, with the pandemic with Italy, you know, it's kind of trying to come up, 
come to an agreement, you know, between the league and the government as to what should happen when it comes to quarantine, what should happen if a player tests positive. I know some people that work at some of the clubs in Syria and they're, you know, they're not so sure if they're going to return to play, just kind of their feeling just on what they've seen, nothing official, obviously, but they're just not sure that, the, you know, everyone will come to, to terms and, and be able to continue. Hopefully they'll be able to. With England, like you said, these players have, have certainly spoken out. I mean, I think, you know, when, when you have your, your handling of the virus questioned, you know, throughout the government and your prime minister gets the virus, it's, Certainly, you know, hard to... That was a to, tough look. That was a tough yeah, look. Yeah. You're not instilling a lot of confidence. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, the players obviously are right to, you know, to speak up about it because, you know, we certainly don't know a whole lot as much, I guess, as we'd like to about this virus and how it can impact different people. Some people don't seem to have symptoms. Other people can get it really bad, even though they're considered healthy. And so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these people want to put their family first. Um, I can't remember what player it was. I can't remember if it was Premier League either, but there was one player who was wanted to refuse to play because their their partner has like a heart condition um, oh. and they just don't want to risk, you know, anything. So, you know, I guess with Germany, you know, just kind of looking at Germany and seeing how they, how they do, if these players can continue to, to be healthy. I think what also hurts the, the Premier League is that, you know, we've seen so many cases of these players not, doing what they're supposed to, whether it's Jack Grealish, whether it's Kyle Walker, just, yeah. you know, not, yeah. not staying home and, uh, or in Kyle Walker's situation. He oh, was yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Kyle Walker yeah. was definitely home. Yeah. The, the home part wasn't, wasn't what he broke for quarantine, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think Eric, <laughs> Eric made a good point a couple episodes ago of the pod where he said that the best thing that happened to Jack Grealish was the Kyle Walker thing happening right after. Cause that took a lot of the heat away from, yep, from definitely, him. It definitely did. But, you know, I think, you know, the Premier League has talked about, you know, whether it's, you know, neutral venues or trying to, you know, play in, you know, maybe just a few select cities. These players obviously want to play in their home stadiums. And I think if they can travel safely, um, Obviously, that's that's probably the most ideal thing when they can have more of a control. These clubs can have control over their stadiums. But uh, I guess it's kind of a wait-and-see approach with Germany and what we learn over the next uh, few weeks. Hopefully, there's not a lot of, you know, uh, hopefully they don't see a, a spread of the virus because someone slipped through the cracks or something. And yeah. if all stays, you know, the same, you know, they'll certainly be able to finish by, by the end of June, people would expect. And, and hopefully the other leagues can get going at some point in June. Yeah, it's really interesting because I'm I'm watching these games and and just so glad not to just have soccer back, but sports in general. Um, and so obviously I'm I'm hopeful that this will be a a positive step without you know major setbacks. But then there's also the side of me that's worried that other leagues and and even you know other organizations uh, here in the United States are going to see the progress that, that they're making in Germany and think, Oh, we can start opening everything up now too. And we can start doing all this, even though maybe we don't have the same infrastructure and availability of testing of, of material supplies. So it, it's kind of a, I guess, a, a weird uh, catch 22 where I'm, I'm hoping that this continues and successful, but I also am really hope, hoping that, people don't learn the wrong lessons from what what we can and can't do. And, and there's still that caution moving forward in other, other leagues and other ventures. Yeah. There's certainly, you know, in Europe, there at least, you know, I don't know. I'm no, uh, you know, medical expert or, you know, a virus expert, but I think, you know, obviously they're certainly ahead of us in the timing of, you know, where they are with the virus. So who knows what's going to happen here, but hopefully, you know, we can learn some lessons from whatever, you know, whatever comes from the Bundesliga, whether it's good or bad, but yeah, hopefully these things don't rush into it, but there is that, you know, that financial aspect of it too, of satisfying the television contracts. And, and, you know, I think it was Javier Tevas, the president of La Liga was saying, I think if they don't return to action, they, the clubs would stand to lose. Like, I don't know if it was, I can't even remember the amount of money. I don't it was a large, large number. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to be way, way off, but um, I think it was only losing like, 100 million or something or 300 million if you play the season without fans so you can only imagine yeah the, the season were to be called off so. and I, I know that the premier league's in a similar boat with uh with their very very you know top dollar tv contracts yeah and i, I think the news of, of you know france and the netherlands having their seasons called off was a bit surprising and people in france kind of hoping that they would maybe reconsider but at this point it seems you know a bit a bit too much and you know, those were obviously government decisions that came down yeah. and kind of forced their hand. So, 
you know, Germany is kind of where all eyes are on, you know, moving forward. And, and hopefully there's, uh, there's no issues there. Well, Roger, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Please, if you're listening, follow Roger. I think you can follow him on Twitter at rgonzalezcbs. Yep, that's right. And all Z's in Gonzalez. That's right. All Z. Roger, thanks so much for uh, sharing your time with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Roger. Thank you. Hope you enjoy some soccer coming up. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. Once again, uh, really appreciated Roger uh, taking the time out of his day to, to talk to us. It was a, a really fun conversation. A uh, guy has a, a lot of great insights and definitely knows what he's talking about. If you guys haven't checked out any, any of his uh, stuff he's done for CBS Sports, uh, really suggest, especially if you're new to the Bundesliga, he's got a really great article that we briefly touched on in his interview about you know suggestions on who and why to follow a certain team. Uh, definitely worth a read. There are not many people who I talk to, and I, I'm saying almost none, that make me feel a little insecure when it comes to discussing the sport of soccer. And I felt like a six-year-old boy talking to Roger, and it was awesome. I don't – I don't <laughs> about the sport of soccer, other sports, sure. I, there are definitely people where I'm like, oh, you know what, this person knows what they're talking about much better than I do. You know you know what I'm talking about. But oh, yeah. I don't really ever feel that in soccer, even when I talk to Euro, Euros. But I, I felt insecure about it with talking with Roger, and I mean that in the best way. I, re- I really mean that as a compliment to him. Really, really great guy. And he is like – Eric kind of mentioned this earlier. Like I was just like checking on a random Wednesday. Like in that tw- in the 24-hour period from when I checked, he had like pumped out like 11 articles. He had like three <laughs> kids. His wife's pregnant. He had all kinds of stuff going on. He's just – he's a really awesome dude. Uh, content machine, I would say. Uh, but, uh, you know – now, uh, now that we've kind of uh, got to talk to him and you guys get to listen to it, let's start looking forward, uh, move, moving forward with the Bundesliga. You know, we're hoping down the road we'll have some more information about Syria, Premier League, La Liga. Well, we, we, uh, we haven't but, announced this on the pod, but Syria will return uh, June thirteenth, the day before my birthday. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still interested to see if that's going to be like official and not pushed back or anything. So I'm kind of, uh, you know holding off on wanting to dive too deep into, into those other leagues, but just thinking of what are some of the things that you're kind of keeping an eye on and looking forward to uh, with the Bundesliga in the next uh, couple of, of, of game weeks? You know, I'm really hoping that one of these teams, be it, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, Leipzig, they're still only seven points behind. I'm not going to say their fate is sealed, but with eight games to go, I'm sorry, ten games to go, I want to see one of these teams, Dortmund, Gladbach, Leipzig. I want to see one of them make make a run at Bayern's throne and try to knock off Bayern. I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm seeing like which of those teams can push Bayern the most. And I think May 23rd, we have Bayern versus Dortmund. And if Dortmund can get the win there, and I mean that 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 game is going to be huge. If Bayern wins that game, it's pretty the title. They're going to pretty much seal it for themselves. But if Dortmund can get the win, man, that's going to be huge. And, you know, Eric and I, especially like in the leagues that aren't that our teams don't play in, we always want to see not the big dog come out with the win. Oh, like yeah. When Atletico a few years ago, like, got out the title in the league, like, that was awesome. That was so I mean, much fun. Just, just last year when it looked like Dortmund had a really great, you know, were in the, the pole position to, to seal the deal and, and they, they collapsed. Yeah, you guys yeah. saw how. They How ended in pole position for Cuck of the Year at the uh, Onis. Yeah, at the uh, the, yeah, the Onis. Look, looking forward to the the, the Onis this year. Yes, Probably going to wait wait till the, the category in the Oni for best global pandemic goes to the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're giving away all of our uh, all of our, our new material. Uh, but but yeah, I, I'm really interested in, in in seeing this this title race. I'm looking at the table and realizing the points that I was uh, spewing out earlier in this episode. I was looking at goal differential like a fucking idiot. So uh, that, that's why I said uh, some numbers that are definitely wrong. It's a lot closer than, than I originally thought. So, yeah, Leipzig definitely has a shot. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, if Leverkusen, you know, who, who play Werder Bremen tomorrow, if they can uh, put a couple points together and, and maybe not, you know, I don't think they can challenge uh, Munich for, for the title, but they could, they could really put some pressure on Leip- Leipzig and Mönchengladbach if they don't, you know, get their shit together and, and continue to, to get points. We could see a, a proper battle for that, uh, that fourth uh, Champions League spot. Speaking of points, looking at those bottom dwellers there at the bottom, I will say the one thing Werder Bremen 
who have the Red Baron, Josh Sargent, on their squad, has it going for them is that they have two games in hand on everyone else. Yeah. That's, I mean, uh, that's big. That's actually really big. That, I mean, if, it, assuming they want those games, that puts them in 16th and only th- three points behind. <laughs> when you're dealing with Werder Bremen, uh, assuming wins is a very dangerous game to play. Um, I think... <laughs> I think if you're trying to be optimistic, let's assume they get two draws out of those um, and, and they get two points instead of uh, six points there. Yeah, well, it's still better than none. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, even so even I think for, for, for Bremen, too, maybe it's not pushing for 15th and, and pure safety, but that match that we talked about with Roger, uh, the Bundesliga, you know, third, the 16th place team plays the third place team in the the second tier for to stay up or to go down. And if, if Bremen can get to that 16th spot, that really gives them a shot uh, with, you know, their squad, their, their Bundesliga top tier squad to maybe beat down the, uh, the up and coming challenger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... I think it's just really exciting. I love that soccer's back. Hopefully, other leagues can safely follow suit. Um, and Eric, we haven't gotten to do this in a long time, but uh, it's time for a little segment edition, Hawkeye of the Week. I mean, why don't you lead us off, Donnie? I know you've really been been looking forward to this. I really have been. And my Hawkeye of the Week will be no surprise. He gets bonus points because he's a fullback. Rafael Guerrero with a brace, first in the first soccer game in two months. He comes in, he crushes it. He played phenomenally well. Good looking dude. A little short, a little short, but still a hot man. He makes it work. He make he makes it work for him though. Yeah, short, no Napoleon complex though. Yeah. So I mean, we we had the same guy, and that's why I wanted you to go first because I know you're really looking forward to this. I'll go to my reserve Hawkeye of the week. Uh Runner-up, you know, honors hot guy of the week, Andre Silva. He's oh, just, he, as you mentioned, he's a very attractive man. Uh, they did lose, but he did he did get get a goal, and um, you know, try. I think he, he's impressing some people at, at Frankfurt, and and they may be looking to keep him on once the loan expires. So, yeah, uh, yes. What a beautiful, what a what a. Beautiful if you guys player. don't, if you guys don't know. Uh, what he looks like, just Google Andre Silva. He's he's a very handsome man. Just don't look at the pictures with the mustache. Um, the mustache yeah, the, is not his best look, but dude, you know, his, you know his mustache looks. You know his mustache looks like not good. Who? Do you see Kimmich? Oh yeah. He kind of looks like he's trying to like do the goose mustache from and Top he, Gun. And he's a handsome guy. If he, like, he's I a know. handsome guy. You don't that, need the, you don't need that shit. Shave that shit off. Dude, put some aviators on him. He looks like he's trying to be like a he's trying to go as goose for Halloween or something from Top Gun. <laughs> I guess hey, listen, he took that quarantine stash very seriously. Yeah. Uh no, props to him. I've seen I've seen some uh much less dedicated uh quarantine stashes. So should we do a little on the fly aptitude test? Sure. Just to kind of wrap things up with a little bit of normal yeah, speed now I that kinda, we're back I kinda, to the soccer pod. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll keep on the same tangent. Uh, what would uh, Kimmich be if he was not a soccer player? One hundred percent. And this is—I don't mean this in an offensive way to him or an offensive way to to anyone. I don't mean this offensively at all. He just strikes me as exactly who I would picture if I'm watching a movie. And there's a scene at a gay club. He strikes me as the bartender of the gay club, especially with the mustache. The mustache, okay. That's. I mean, that that, that that's definitely something out there. And I don't um, I don't mean that in a negative way. No, of course whatsoever. not. I want to be clear, but I just see him. Yeah. Like, and he's wearing like leader lederhosen, but no shirt on. I was thinking the really really deep V, like the really deep oh, V, that like like the one that goes <laughs> to the belly button. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The strobe lights in the back, yeah. That's, that's, and he's that's, just like jamming out, just like mixing drinks, really, really handsome dudes everywhere. So if he wasn't a soccer player, I think he would have uh, hit childhood fame as a, a, a kid actor. He would have been the like snotty, you know, shit nosed uh, villain of like a of like a high school movie. You look back at those eighties high school movies; the bad guys are always like. These blonde guys, you know, he kind of reminds me of uh, of uh, like on the name, but the uh, Karate Kid, Johnny. 
kind of getting those vibes. So he, w- I think he would have hit big as a child actor, and then he would have washed out and uh, uh, and just become one of those you know YouTube workout guys that that you pay you subscribe to their their workout channels to get fit. At what point, because he's a child actor, does he just start doing like a lot of hard drugs? <laughs> immediately <laughs> yeah just like seven years old just ripping cocaine boy this got off the rails <laughs> very very quickly all right you got one? Oh no it's my turn that you was got, that was you me. i just I, I tried to ghost you on the <laughs> uh, i tried to gaslight you as they say on the aptitude test to make you go twice now if i tricked you that would have been really funny had it worked that would have been incredible <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with a um, another player who's played this weekend. I'm gonna go with uh, Erling Holland. If he wasn't a professional soccer player who's scoring a shit ton of goals, what would Erling Holland be doing? Okay, you know, just because of his his form, how incredible he's been since people started following him. You know, at uh, RB Salzburg, he's wildly successful. You know, that's. That's what I'm, what I'm what I'm holding on to for gra- grasping his aptitude. So I think his aptitude tests off the charts. Um, now I need you to put a black turtleneck on him. Steve Jobs. Yes, he's not. He's not not necessarily. He wouldn't be Steve Jobs. <laughs> no, 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 he if he doesn't German. play soccer, he's Steve Jobs, and Apple's like entire business <laughs> plan is delayed like fifty years. No, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, German tech mogul. I like that. Wildly, wildly successful, incredibly enigmatic. Like, people don't quite understand who he is or what he's about. Uh, He presents things, and people are like, are you sure? But then once it's opened up to the masses, just buying and selling, buying and selling. So I also see him being successful because, you know, he scores a lot. And as someone who would score a lot, he would be the perfect MC for rich people orgy parties, and I know that rich people have them. I have, so you mean like like Kyle Walker's uh, calling him up? To... No, 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 no. That that what Kyle Walker did was it was crude and it was quite elementary. I'm talking about. Have you ever seen the movie? Since you're on Tom Cruise movies, Eyes Wide Shut. Oh God, that is the kind of parties. Like I am talking about high end orgies that he helps host, consensual orgies that he hosts, and like he just. You know, he has – he's a mysterious man, almost like a Gatsby figure. Like, he has money. Nobody really knows why. Nobody knows how he's so successful. He just is. And in his free time, he kind of emcees and hosts these rich people orgies. And I know they exist. I don't want to get into a conversation about this one, to be honest. <laughs> That's the second fastest I've ever seen Eric pull out of something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, um – this was such a fun episode of Own Gold Podcast. Yeah, we really, really, pre- really had a, a great time recording this one. Uh, I mean, for so many reasons. Uh, you guys should, uh, you know, follow Own Gold Pod on Twitter. You should follow Roger, uh, you know, Roger Gonzalez on Twitter. R Gonzalez C- at, at R Gonzalez CBS. Yeah, there we go. I'm always really bad with the handles. Uh, that's why Donnie has to clean up all my clean up my mess on, on these uh these closeout tags. But we're just so glad that soccer's back. You know, I'm um, really excited to watch uh, Josh Sargent uh, net at least the goal, maybe a brace tomorrow from Werder Bremen, and uh, and then to see where where this uh, you know final what eight seven matches take us. Yeah, and um, please, please, please send us your email. Send us your questions at. Uh, to own goal pod at gmail.com. I just realized, like, I have to say, send the questions to because saying no, at and I just confused can you myself. send your questions at <laughs> just send your questions to own goal pod at gmail.com. And I want we're kind of hoping we can get back to a little bit more of our uh, normal structure now that we're slowly but surely getting back to a little bit of our normal life. And with that, thanks so much for listening. Bye. I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be
Surrender your core, I'll give you bombs of mine. 